Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We review of the Spurs away game. I'm Darren Driver, positioning myself alongside some of the good stuff that happened in the game, usually referring to one of the players that I like. And I'm here with Martin Riley in the second place in where I'll usually refer to something silly one of the players did in the game. And finally, taking the spot where I turn my attention to the owners and the manager, who it's fair to say are like less than the players. It's Tom Alderson. Told how you doing, buddy? I'm good, thanks. I'm, I'm tired, but yeah, pretty pretty good. I'm I'm after this. I'm kind of looking forward to a bit of a break from Leeds United, to be honest. Mm, so yeah, yeah. Just I'm, I'm going to mostly ignore the World Cup. So that that'll be quite mm, nice. Mm. Tom's bringing the energy tonight, Martin, isn't he? How, how are you doing? How are you doing just now? Yeah, I'm doing good. I've literally just finished this tea. I was a bit, little bit late coming to record. Um, had a nice pizza and some garlic bread. Mm. Uh, so I'm full up, and that's always me when I'm at my happiest is when I've got some food in my belly. <clears throat> and other than, other than that, got a bit wet earlier in the awful weather that we've had. So, yeah, it's been a good fun day. So, tea in this instance, Martin, you're referring to an evening meal eaten by someone who's from Yorkshire, right? Exactly, yes. Yeah, that yeah right, the, that's fine. Customary. Yeah, indefinitely, definitely. And uh, I, I see you've also brought the joy by talking about the weather, which is, which is good, isn't it? Um, so, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm glad that we've started on a nice, positive, upbeat note before we go through to talk about the, uh, the Spurs game, which I shall summarise now um so Leeds started the game in their usual 4-2-3-1 and Spurs started the game in a 3-4-3 the pattern of the first half really uh was Spurs probing and making progress down the Leeds left hand side and making dangerous situations but not many chances and Leeds scoring from two of their three major first half attacks Leeds scored first through Somerville after Aronson beat Hoiberg in a physical duel in a central area um, and then Spurs equalised through the most absurd VAR decision you could possibly imagine. Now, I don't normally talk about refereeing decisions or VAR decisions at all because they're really boring, but on this occasion, I am going to make an exception because it was a particularly egregious uh, um, 
uh, egregious VAR decision. Anyway, uh, soon thereafter, Rodrigo scored after a corner had been um, headed back into the box with a, with a really smart finish. Um, in the second half, Leeds seemed to change to a 4-3-3 mid-block off the ball, which I I think seemed to pre- prevent Spurs from moving the ball laterally in defensive areas and building up at the back as easily. Um, Spurs were still dangerous down the Leeds left-hand side, though, and all three goals in the second half for Spurs came uh, down that side. Um, the Spurs goal for 2-2 was messy from a defensive point of view with the defence falling asleep, uh, at a throw-in and the ball falling to a free man on the edge of the box and Melier and Christ- Christensen really got in each other's way. Um, Leeds had a good period of possession though from 2-2, um, holding the ball in more advanced areas and keeping Spurs more or less under control and this eventually led to Rodrigo making it 3-2 with a, another really good finish. Um, and at this point, Leeds do what Leeds do uh, when they go a goal up late in the game and brought on uh, Luke Aileen to go 5-4-1 and, and sat deeper, much deeper, which seemed to encourage Spurs, who quickly scored their third and fourth goals down the Leeds left-hand side for the winner. Um, so Leeds eventually lost the game uh, 4-3. And it was an interesting game, I think. There's some good stuff to talk about here. Um, and I'm going to start with the interrogation immediately. Um, and, uh, Tom, I'm going to come to you first on this one. So <clears throat> I kind of harass the question, really. So uh, how how did you see the game? Did, did Leeds play well? Or um, was it just one of those games which was was down to a coin toss. I guess what I'm trying to get at, Tom, is would a win have been deserved had we managed to hold on for one? Um, I, I personally wouldn't have said a win was deserved. I think the best way to answer this question for me is Leeds played well in bits, Spurs played well in bits, and that's just the way that game goes. Like the One team wasn't noticeably better or worse than the other, I thought. Um, mm. I think, yeah, a coin toss was is pretty much a good, again, another good summer summary of that game um but yeah i would have said i wouldn't have said we were so much better that we deserved to win it um mm. it's but it did it almost it did also feel harsh to lose it so yeah it's it's really it's a really tough one to what to make of like how to feel after that game but um i don't know what you guys are thinking about that one martin what do you think because because i i slightly disagree with tom i i um i thought spurs it's an interesting thing because I think I think probably aesthetics are playing into it a little bit because I think Spurs looked like the better, more threatening, more coherent team, but without necessarily turning that. I mean, or perhaps up until you know, um, this, maybe in the first half particularly, um, it didn't look to me like they they made a huge number of chances. But I but I was watching the game thinking they're just like better than us. But but I think that's partly inherently to do with Leeds' style, right? Yeah, I'd agree with that. <clears throat> There's a lot of things in the first half which I did enjoy. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a bit of phlegm in there. And especially some of the attacks were built um, fit straight into the tactical style which Mars wants, wants to employ. And it was quite effective in that when we did win the ball, we did look to attack with fluidity and we did get into some threatening areas. Spurs didn't create too many chances, like you say, in the first in the first half. There was one chance which fell to Emerson Royale who I think made a total hash of it. Um, again, it was one of those things, if it would have landed to a different player, one of their attackers, and it would have been a goal for definite, and it would have been changed again massively. So I think if, if things could have went either way in the first half with those sort of things, but I do think over the first half we probably did get the better of them. I think we made the better chances in the first half. Um, Somerville had another chance that he could have scored. Um, I think not... 
maybe about half an hour, 35 minutes in. It was quite similar to the first goal, really, which, so if we would have taken that as well, then it would have been even better for it's us. It's probably more of a transitional attack, that one, wasn't it, for the second yeah. one than, than the first one, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly, yeah. It was a, two of it, it did, it did quite well of it, but it just, just mm. didn't get, get quite as lucky. Uh, Loris came out a bit better for that one, I think. Um, but yeah, the, uh, for the overall spread of the game, I, I think that the match result is probably a fair one. Um, I think it is... I think maybe a draw you could push for being possibly fairer, at least if you base it purely on the XG. Uh, neither team created more than two XG for the chances that, we, that, that were on play. And Spurs got 1.8, we got 1.1. So both, t- both teams were massively over the XG, which was on display. Mm. But yeah, um, I, think, I, think it's, I think we got what we deserved really overall. Mm. And I guess for me, Tom, our old friend repeatability comes into this because if you look at the Spurs attacks, you can see what they're trying to do, right? They're, tra- they're trying to get in behind our fullbacks and pull back towards the edge of the box. And th- th- that chance that Emerson Royal had uh, in the first half came from a similar situation. Um, whereas with the Leeds attacks that that tend to be successful there's no there's no kind of there's no defi- there's no clear observable aesthetic pattern to them in the same way and i think i think that whilst yeah we did we did create a number of chances it, it always felt to me like like spurs getting in in the way that they were consistently doing even in the first half when they weren't really making the chances was eventually going to bear fruit for them yeah it's i think what the <clears throat> with the with the way the spurs attacked like it actually played into was looking good in that sort of third quarter of the game because we mm. stopped them doing those repeatable things. Um, whereas, yeah, like you say, we at the moment we are well, to, the, we've been attacking reasonably well in recent games, but it is all just kind of a bit vibesy because mm. it's the young players like Somerville and Nonto and like Aronson played well recently. It's just, but like, it's not because the like the the tactics that we're employing are leading to us having a good attacking place just these individuals are all playing very well for this run of games and that's kind of got what we've we scored what, seven, nine goals in three games which is in the Premier League against the opposition we played is a good a good run so it's it is, an, it is annoying that we haven't got that repeatable way of playing and it generally is going to lead to these sort of games which um, where they're very much end to end because um, because of because of the lack of repeatability of the attacking actions, mm. Martin Tom says. I mean, Tom it didn't seem to be entirely sure whether we're attacking well at the moment. And to be honest, I'm not because we we are scoring a lot of goals. But it it does feel to me like intrinsically like we're running hot um, at the moment and and probably scoring more than than the the chances we've created probably truly deserve. However, I am aware that I'm extremely cynical about this style of play, so it's likely that I'm going to look for um for those kind of I'm I'm gonna look at it in that way. So how how do you see it? Are we actually attacking well at the moment or not? Well in the last few games we have had some moments where we have attacked well. Um but it's mainly been fallen foot against the bigger sides who give us the space which we can attack into. If you look at the Bomb Bournemouth game, um we struggled to make chances from open play massively. Um, there was there was only really the final winning goal, which got which was created from an open play transitional moment, and that's because they was Bournemouth were trying to get something more out of the game. They were they were going for the win the same as we were, and but other than those, sometimes we look good, sometimes we don't look good. It's part of the nature of the way this, this attacks are built, and it'll mean that if teams don't give us that space, we won't 
create as many chances. <laughs> so it's it's so dependent on our opposition, how we create an attack, that it's hard to say if we are attacking well at the moment because it's so variable and too many things can happen to change that. I know that's football in general, but on top, on top of the usual chaos of football, we add that extra layer of chaos, which just confuses things even more. Well, I'll just add to that that like in the Liverpool and Bournemouth games, we were afforded space, and we, we were like we're attacked. We've attacked well in those games because we were afforded space, and I think actually against against Spurs, while we were afforded space, it was more they did sit in a bit. So I, I actually think this is the uh, Saturday was arguably our best attacking performance of the season because they sat in and we still created chances rather than mm. in. It's, it's more aesthetic, well, aesthetically, again, it's, it's the sort of style you want to see, but it's, it's the first example I can think of where we've actually almost broken down a team or managed to score against a team that has sat in rather than we're relying on them to give us space. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I, I guess even with that though, Tom, like I know we, I know it's, it's a bit of a folly to, to, um, to use single game XG has has been indicative of anything, but but it it does feel like we scored more than yeah the chances yeah, we created probably deserved. So yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, good, good, okay. Um, not good that you agree. Good that we've that I understand what you think is what I mean by that. You know, I, I don't insist that everyone agrees with me. Uh, because hardly anyone does. Um, anyway, second question. Um, Martin, Spurs caused a lot of problems down our left specifically in a way that I've not really seen a team target one area of our defensive unit quite as much as Spurs. What were they doing that was causing us so many problems? It was quite a simple thing, really. Spurs had a game plan which they enacted very early in the game. Uh, this was to have some slow build-up play, drawing us across to our right right side before quickly switching the play to the, to the left. Um, especially in the opening 20 minutes, there was so many times where there was players in acres of space or alternatively just have um, a 2v1 situation, which happens so often during the game. As the half wore on, it wasn't as bad. We sort of did did get to grips with it a little bit and weren't leaving quite as much space. But then in the, in the second half, that came back again. So mm. we clearly didn't learn much from the first half. And I do wonder at times if this is exacerbated because you, you see every now and again it'll pan to Marsh and you'll mm. see him making the motion mm. to bring the team more narrow. You see him do, doing that. So I think sometimes the players will try to adjust to the space that they're leaving and then he draws them back into keeping the, the mm. narrow shape to fit with his pressing system. And I think Spurs were deliberately targeting that flank because of Kulsevsky. He is a very dangerous player for a team like us who leave that much space. And that's the reason why they targeted that flank, I believe, which it did mean that he was he could really just do what he does best, which is running out defenders either by themselves or even sometimes having Emerson Royale next to him to attack with. So it's just not an ideal situation. I mean, it's even Eric Dyer was doing the overlapping centre-back routine a couple few times, which I, which I really <laughs> felt relaxed when he got the ball, to be honest. Um, Tom, some of the screenshots from this game showing just how narrow and compact Leeds United were at times defensively were extraordinary, weren't they? Oh, God, it, it's enough to keep you up at night, isn't it? Bloody hell. You, you just like, you, you see it. It's like, I saw that the Marsh sort of 
Marxisms as well, where he's like putting his hands narrow together, and you're like, no, this is bad because Kulusevsky yeah. is in absolutely miles of space, and the nearest defender is Stroik, and he's in the other, he's like near the cent, um, the center of the pitch. So no, it's it's horrible to to see, and like the, there isn't really a way around it, is there? Because to for us to play well, mm. for us to do what Marsh wants us to do, we have to play narrow. But then we see players like Kulusevsky and. Eric Dyer having loads of space and it's just yeah I, d- I don't really know what there is that we can do about it. I know, it. but we don't have to compress everybody into one sixth of the pitch, do we? <laughs> like, surely, we, surely there's a surely there's a middle position where where we don't have to all crowd around the ball like primary school players. Well, and, we, uh, yeah, we kind of saw that in the second half, didn't we? Like where the free in midfield mm. could sort of spread across, and then when the back four is across, like actually mm. we cover most of the defensive parts of the pitch sometimes and it's it looks okay and then we go back to mm. the, the really narrow mm. stuff and we sit in and it looks really bad so it that we we there is stuff there it's just it's not our mm. main aim to do it mm. which it is, is really baffling and then from martin from three two we saw marsh go to the to the five four one in a bid to hold the lead and um I guess, I guess, as I said, it, it looked to me like that meant that meant we we immediately dropped twenty yards deeper down the pitch. How much did that contribute to Spurs turning the result around? In your view, um, I don't necessarily feel the five four one shape itself contributed to the third and fourth goal, um, but the issue was, um, like you mentioned there, that how much deeper we were in that mm. in that shape. So I guess that goes hand in hand with what what he's doing with that ch- change in shape. But I still feel that the more over overriding factor in those third and fourth goals was one the quality of Spurs' attack, which was just so much better comparatively to our defence, which doesn't help. I mean, there was from the time that we went to a five-four-one, um, I think it was about ninety seconds after that where we conceded. So I don't think there was enough time for that for that real change to make too much difference. To be that, but there was so much space in front of the box, which was what the, it came from. It was cleared out and then hit from the edge of the box. Uh, so I think Spurs really f- put their foot on the gas after they went down because it was late on in the game. They knew they had to do something now, or they didn't, they'll come away with no points. And then the fourth was just <laughs> it was it was very good attacking movement, but there was also too much aggressiveness from our players in trying to keep. T- to the men and that's something which Marsh has mentioned before is when we are uh, how how can we stop conceding these goals to drop leads he Mm. he mentioned about aggressiveness and to me that seems what happened for for their fourth goal was we were aggressively trying to get to players at times even Mm. looked like it was back to man marking I know that that could just be Liam Cooper getting a bit too tight to his man which we know he has a quality of doing mm-hmm. so what did what did you make of this tom because because like i have to be honest what as soon as we do the the change to um to a five at the back i i just immediately get angry with it because it, it just feels it just feels like we are determined to invite opponents onto us inviting them to attack us taking our taking our attacking threat away taking the pressing maneuvers that for for periods in the second half did seem to be preventing Spurs from attacking effectively. It felt that we gave up the the momentum in the game and gave up the advantage in the game and and gave up the the, the little bit of dominance that we'd managed to build over a fifteen minute period 
and and just kind of completely handed the initiative back to Spurs. Is, is that how you saw it? Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. I think while there was only 90 seconds between the change in formation, the definite change I saw in, in just in that 90 seconds with the pressing and that the Spurs players just suddenly, one, they could sort of sit in our half a bit. They were not pressed on the ball as much as they were before that, which was stop like causing problems for them to like do do the mm-hmm. is it automism there's a better word for it that they want to do and suddenly it was like the play like Kane can drop deep he's got space he can play it in and then they can get around the back and it's like they're doing back to where they were in the first half which was causing those problems so you Marsh kind of talks about the match plan or game plan or whatever it is quite a lot and I wonder if it's like when the five we go to the five four one we drop off and we don't press. So the formation might not have had effects, but the pressing might have had an effect. And I, I agree with you, it really annoys me when I see it. The the main one that always comes to my head when I hear it is the either Norwich game yeah. at the end of last year. Like we should have killed that game and suddenly it's like let's let's sit in and hold on to it. Invite them on, they equalise in the eightieth minute or something. It just it's it never seems to work. I don't think it's hold I know we were like we're bad at holding on to leads, but we were on top for sort of 20 minutes in the th- in the second half and if we just we could have just carried on doing that for the whole second half and we you could argue that we'd have been looking at a win here but instead we were like right well this is worth now let's go to something else which really is a baffling decision to me I, I far bit from me to invoke the ghost of Bielsa on this podcast but but his uh, approach on this was always that you keep doing the things that have got you into the good position in the game and 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 not change them and it feels to me like Marsh has got a very different way of managing the game um and arguably you know there were there were times when that kind of we keep going approach cost leads under Bielsa and but it seems to me that this this approach of sinking back into our own box and trying to defend defend the box effectively is is just going to keep costing us under Marsh um and I'd much rather that we were braver um it feels it feels regressive to me like really regressive to me um and I I I really don't can, like it can anyone actually think of an example where it's worked Martin can you think of a time when it's worked I can't I mean we have to have really a this to work but like so that doesn't happen very often there, pro- there probably will be times when it has happened mm. Um, but there's not any that I can think of off the top of my head. I know just talking about um, holding on to leads. Um, these that since since the Chelsea game, I've seen this tweet. I'm not sure, I think, not sure if you guys have seen this one as well. But since the Chelsea game, we've held on to leads mm. for mm. 14 minutes, six minutes, ten minutes, three minutes, four minutes, six minutes, fifteen minutes, eight minutes, and four minutes. So that doesn't. So that doesn't really speak to to them. I'm not that very well. I hope that answers what you're asking there. <laughs> Did you remember those those numbers, Martin? Because you weren't reading that off anything. <laughs> or were you just saying random numbers? No, I was or, reading. Or did it. you remember no, the sequence? Yeah, I've, got the, tweet, right, I've got the tweet in front okay. of me. It was okay. from um, Ben okay. underscore Paul, I believe, and he, okay. that's the, where I got that, those numbers from. Because I did genuinely think you'd just kind of reeled off this, <laughs> like and, and I was, I was, it was a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Exactly. Anyway, um, referring to that 20-minute spell um, that you mentioned there, Tom, and that I mentioned as well, um, Wiggy, Wiggy, one of our listeners, says, I felt we held the ball for longer periods more than I've seen under Marsh. Did anyone else notice that? And I guess I just wanted to ask you to both to talk about what we did differently in that 20-minute period of the game because it, it, it did look sort of coherent uh, for a minute, that, for, for about 20 minutes there. What, so what did you see, Tom, that looked different? And what were Spurs doing that allowed us to do it as well? I think there's, there's definitely something in there too. Uh, yeah, I think from our side, obviously, the, as you mentioned in the the summary, we changed to a 4-3-3. And I kind of felt that that stops mm-hmm. Spurs being able to go side to side and just get around us really easily. Um, it also kind of it allowed Somerville to naturally go drift wider, I, I saw. So when we, when we were attacking them, it was like there was width there for the first, like the first time I've ever seen under Marsh. And when they were mm-hmm. winning the ball back, they couldn't just go around us. So it, it, it was... Like we could then just sort of almost pin them in, and they where the pressing was working very effectively, and they then couldn't do the, the the little things they like to do to build up and attack. So whilst there wasn't like huge chances created, we did manage to just pin them in, which I think at, away at a big a big six team, you can't really ask for much more than that. Um, Spurs Spurs did kind of sit in and invite it. I thought a bit, uh, but. A Conte team is always going to do that to an extent, but I, I think the fact that they sat in and then could have made chances was quite impressive, uh, yeah. c- considering the picture. And, and I, I, Martin, from what Tom said there, he said Spurs sat in, and, and I guess for me, Spurs are not a team that are going to particularly have a high press, right? So, so if you can get them into a situation where where you're able to manoeuvre the ball around, you are you are going to have periods of the game perhaps where it looks like you're having quite a bit of success against them because they're, they're not going they're not going to commit to a high press but i also did think that that like particularly rocker used the ball really well in 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 some parts of that spell and and it did it did look like we had something something happening there for a minute yeah i'd agree that that that, that moment for the first about 15 20 minutes um that we did do very very well at controlling the game in that, that instance um i'm not sure if that is something that marsh is working on which i hope it is um it, it would be nice to be able to control games in that sort of fashion and since it has caused us so many problems when we are expected to hold on to the ball it would make sense to work on that so i hope that is something which has been worked mm. on and maybe we'll see and improve after the world cup break um, but also, uh, like has been mentioned already, um, Conte sides do allow the teams to keep hold of the ball sometimes. And this change came after, sorry, this period came after 2-2, right? That's right, yeah, between 2-2 and 3-2. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so at that point, I think Conte was happy for us to keep hold of the ball a little bit more, knowing that we'll leave space for them to try to attack. But we did do well to stop them from getting those moments. So that that is also a good sign too. 
Um, but the overall possession stats, uh, I think we had we had forty five percent possession. So while that is more possession than we've seen against other big six sides, it's still obviously not not, low, not the lion's share of possession. But if you compare it to like when we was against uh, Liverpool, we had thirty two percent possession, and against Chelsea we had thirty nine percent possession. So it's still less than the no, the sorry, more even more than no side. So yeah, there was more period of yep. possession, especially that moment. Okay, let's move on to the big questions. I've got a couple of a couple of big questions here. Um, so first one uh, from one two three leads go. Um, are we going to be in a perpetual cy- cycle of Marsh almost getting sacked, then winning a couple of games, then almost getting sacked again, Martin? Well, it's quite possibly true. And the style of play we have under Marsh uh, hasn't been able to consistently produce results against teams of all sizes. Um, but with our proclivity for doing well against bigger sides, this will mean that it's seen as acceptable for most fans for us to maybe struggle for five games, but then confidence is boosted by a surprise result against a big side. So we'll, we'll have periods where we have three or four disappointing results against teams around our our level, then we'll surprise, say, Man City. I don't think that's going to happen this season, Haaland. But yes, um, it is quite well a possibility that this this sort of trend could continue for the rest of the season unless something does change and we are able to um, control games against the teams around our level. Mm. What do you make of this one, Tommy? You're looking forward to the rest of the rest of the season in this with with these pattern. I can don't sm- stop smirking. I can see you smirking. You're not looking forward to it, are you, Tom? Come on, be honest with us. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, I when I saw this question, I thought I'm I'm gonna just look through the fixtures and see what happens. And I thought next fixture: City at home, probable loss; Newcastle away, probable loss; West Ham at home, probable loss; Villa away. Could lose with the way that Emery will set them up. Then we've got a run of Brentford at home, Forest away, Manchester United at home. That sounds like three potential Jesse Marsh winnable games. So, yeah, I can see it happening because that run to me looks like it's Jesse Marsh all over. Did did you say that Brentford was a winnable game? Is that the same Brentford that beat us 5-2 like a few weeks ago? That, that, that Okay, Brentford so maybe he loses to Brentford and then beats Forest and maybe okay. nabs a draw yeah, against Man yeah. United. Who, who knows? And then we lose to Everton away and, yeah. Should I keep going or should I just stop? <laughs> no, no. I think, I think, I think, I think you've made your point. I, 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 I um, agree with one, two, three leads go here. I think, I don't think, I think the best we can hope for is lower mid table, right? In the in this season, and mid table teams are inherently inconsistent. Um, but this is inconsistency with like with some quite obvious flaws in the in the, in the system of the team. So it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see whether Marsh can keep the wolf from the door for any extended periods of time, or or whether he is just gonna you know keep always been on a knife edge. Because I guess that's similar to our games, right? We're always on a knife edge, so it stands to reason that if if your games are always on a knife edge, then the the coach is always gonna be consistently on a knife edge unless he manages to look three or four games in a row yeah i think for, for me it's just that the pl- this run of games mm. the players have kept marsh in the job like the players playing well um and we've got we have got good enough players that yeah like you say lower mid table is possible so over a run of the second half of the season these players are going to do enough to keep him in the job at certain times so yeah it's a definitely i, I completely agree with it as well it's a definite scenario that mm. i can see happening Okie dokes. Um, and then we've got a, a, a question from Crombopolis Matthew. Um, 
which says, I continually see Marsh and his online defenders. Irony. Uh, that the irony was in the tweet, not in not in me saying that. Um, pointing to individual errors in relation to our defensive issues. Do you think that our defensive ish, our defensive structure or lack thereof makes such errors more likely? If so, why? And can they ever be solved in Marsh's system? So, uh, Martin, is this a system thing? Is it a player thing? Is it both? Is it neither? What what's going on? Um, well, for me, blaming the result entirely on individual errors is something which yeah. is so easy for both fans and managers to do. And you can see why. It's something which is staring you in the face. Uh, you see, oh, this player did X thing, which um, caused a goal. And that'll be something which is easily pointable. And managers like Lampard love to dig players out in public. And it's an easy get-out. But, uh, Martin, I agree with you. It's also easy for pundits, right? Because if if you're yeah. a pundit on match of the day, are you going to spend twenty minutes analysing the the structure of the team, or are you just going to yeah. go Liam Cooper was crap there, Robin Cock was crap there? Which which are you more likely? Well, to exactly, do? Uh, pundits. I think um, Ian Wright pointed out a few things which we did wrong. I believe I saw some people talking about on match of the day. Um, so yeah, the, the pundits especially will be guilty of this because it's easier for them to point to these individual mistakes and say, yeah, this is the reason why they, why they lost, and also. For the past few games, the, the performances of Liam Cooper hasn't been good um, for a while. And we also saw um, Robin Cock drop a rare L as well. So, But the, the main thing for me is that the system also has to take a chunk of the blame as well. Um, especially knowing the weaknesses in said system. Which means that defenders are put under, under more pressure because there's more space when teams are smart and they ex- exploit the problems in our side, which is the narrowness and switch, switching players to the other side makes defenders have to backpedal a little bit more, having to deal with sometimes two defenders, sorry, two attackers at the same time, which will obviously cause mistakes. And it's part of the manager's responsibility is knowing your players and knowing what's going to put them under the most pressure to make these mistakes, because it will happen. The only way I think think of to improve this and to see less of these mistakes is either changing the system or bringing in a higher calibre of defender. Um, but I think even with a higher calibre defender, without some tweaks to this system, there would still be problems. Um, when Marsh was at um, RB Leipzig, he, he had similar problems as well. And this is sort of thing that they have much higher caliber of defenders comparable to the league there. And he still had problems conceding a lot of goals. So <laughs> I'm not sure if that answers it well. But yeah, that's my two cents. No, I think I think it's a, it's a, it's a good answer. Um, Tom, what, what do you make of this? Because it, it does look to me like, like playing as a defender in this team. I mean, probably particularly playing as a as a fullback in this team. You're on a bit of a hiding to nothing. But even then, when the fullbacks push a bit higher... The ball comes over the top. It's the central defenders who've got to fill in that wide space, right? They've got to go out and 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 um, try and hold up the attacker there. So it means that they're then isolated quite often um, against players or against uh, against one or two players. So, like, yeah, where where do you stand on this one? I I'm very much agree with what a lot of Martin said. That um, I think what Marsh thinks is that if we execute his system perfectly, it will work. But the reality is you're not going to always execute a system perfectly. Um, you, you see that at the big teams. It's not just a calibre of players that happens. Um, 
So, it, and because his system leaves these players open to having to always be perfect and always win their individual battles, it, it it's just gonna you are gonna see mistakes, and that's gonna lead to goals. So, I I do think it is more of a system thing. That if you if you see if you can't hold on to leads and you and you glaring, oh, there's always like massive areas in the in the wide areas. Mm. There's that's a system thing. That's not individuals always coming across. I know there's times like when you see like a fullback being too far one side and the, the wing is open, but like. There is, there is a, like something about the system that is causing players having to make these individual errors for me. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you look at Virgil Van Dijk at Liverpool this season, he's making he's making a, a number of errors. He's arguably the best central defender in the world, and I yeah. think it's not it's no coincidence that the Liverpool system as a whole is kind of is less effective, right? So if if arguably the best central defender in the world is going to struggle with with systematic issues in front of him and and make mistakes as a result of it. It does stand to reason that Liam Cooper, as much as I love him, is also going to make mistakes and probably at a higher frequency than than Virgil van Dijk, right? What do you reckon, Martin? Yeah, exactly. Um, Systemic problems cause problems for even the best players in the world um, mm. if, if something isn't working right in the system if some parts of it isn't working as well the Liverpool example you gave there is a great example um, because in the past um, Van Dijk maybe hasn't had as much defending to do and that in previous seasons because of how good Liverpool's press was how good their structure was they didn't allow as much pressure onto them and this season Van Dijk has seen more um, pressure, more defending to do, which has led to some mistakes from him, from him and other players in the side. So it's just something that you can't immediately say, oh, we lost this because this player was crap. That's it. That's all it is. This player was crap. The system's fine. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Nothing. Nothing, I say. And then when you've got Marsh individually blaming young players for this, saying it's a, pro- a problem of youth and maturity and young players yeah. will make mistakes, but it wasn't any of the young players who made these mistakes. Yeah, in the in the last game, Sam Greenwood did um, dally on the ball a little bit and that led, led to one of theirs, but in this game, I don't believe it was the young players who were at fault unless anyone can think of any, any that they did, but to me, mm-hmm. it's the reverse. Mm-hmm. The young players are, in a way, rescuing wins from nothing. And yeah, <laughs> if if you if you put Pascal Stroik in the City team, everyone would realize that Pascal Stroik's absolutely amazing because he wouldn't be put in situations where he's going to be causing many problems. If you put your favorite person, John Stones, mm-hmm. Darren, in the Leeds team, I think he would probably look. Well, he looks pretty awful in the City team defensively a lot of the time. <laughs> exactly. So like, it's just. Like, if you put a good system in to a player, they're yeah. probably going to look quite good. Whereas if you put a, a piece of rubbish in front of them, they're probably going to look quite um, bad. I, I have to say, uh, I am a, a bit less um, on that John Stones train. I was just saying that because, you you know, it's it's a bit, in it? It's a bit. Darren doesn't like John Stones is a bit, right? We all know it. Yeah. I actually don't like... I, don't, well, you, you, I think it's just the fact that you said you hated John Stones, and then yeah, but I was just trying to motivate him. Anyway, um, let's let's um, that's that's I think that's enough <laughs> talking about the Spurs game. Uh, it's another it's an, an, another defeat on the books. Um, let's quickly reflect on the first half of the season. Um, so, Tom, how how do you sum up the first what? How many games is it? Some games. How do you, how do you sum up the first? First part of the season so far. Because uh, <laughs> I do. Uh, uh, the I, first 14 um, games. First 14 Inconsistent games. is the word I'm going to use. Mm. Um, I, d- I still just don't feel like we've, we've really 
got going. <laughs> like I don't think we ever will. As mm. It's um, for me. It's it's been. I've not really enjoyed it, and I will admit that it's mainly the aesthetics thing. I can get over results, but I just don't enjoy this style of football. Um, and I, yeah. I'm not really sure what else I can add on that because I don't think I ever will. Excellent. Martin? Uh, Similar. The consistency is an issue. Um, Consistently creating attacks is an issue for me. And also, the same as Taldo there, I don't enjoy this football as well, which does not help things when I'm trying to objectively sum up how the season has been so far. But I do think we are the position we are in the table is correct. I don't think there's any problems with where we are on the table. We're not being shortchanged. I think we are exactly where we should be at this point. And we'll say that some some things I've enjoyed, which have been some of the young players' performances. I'm very, very happy that uh, Crescentio Somerville is starting to come into his groove, and that's very good to see. I've Especially, I think, four goals in a row now, isn't it? And yeah, it's just it's just great to see where everyone loves a young mm. player breaking into the first team, especially one who we've enjoyed so much in the under twenty ones football. And then he's finally showing what he can do in arguably the biggest league in the world. For sure, yeah. And uh, I don't think I need to say what I think. Uh, so I want. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've. I think everyone could probably guess. Um, so, uh, are you looking forward to the World Cup, Martin? Um. International football is not something I've always loved um, for, for many reasons. I've, I enjoyed the last year us uh, primarily because we um, we had Calvin Phillips in for England, and that I enjoyed. And but this time, I'm not feeling it as much. Um, I, I'm not sure what it is. I will still watch a lot of football because it's something to watch. And also, hopefully, there'll be some nice underdog performances, and some team will get quite high. Um, but no, I'm not. I'm looking forward to it, but I am looking forward to the absence of Leeds for a little bit, just to give my mental state a bit of a break. Mm. Taldo? Yeah, I'm not particularly looking forward to the World Cup, to be honest. Um, I, For me, the, the World Cup and the Euros is like a time when my mates who aren't Leeds fans, we get together and we just, we very much just vibes it. We don't ana- analyse games like I do. We, we all do for Leeds. We just sit in a beer garden, we watch the football, and like, we're not in a beer garden. The team is rubbish. It's in a. It's not. I shouldn't even be hosting the country. Is in. It's in winter. It's in the middle of a season. I'm just not got any excitement about it whatsoever. Yeah, and and I um normally love the World Cup. I normally don't really like international football, but I do always really enjoy the World Cup. And I'm boycotting it. I can't support the the World Cup happening in Qatar. I can't. Just can't in good conscience sit there and 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 watch it. Um, for 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 me, I don't judge anybody else who will. I think that's entirely their choice. But my choice is that I'm just not going to have any part of it. So I'm actually going to get six weeks off thinking about football at all, which won't do me any harm unless I decide to watch Notts County, which I probably will. Um, instead of instead of anything else because I really I'd really come to, come to a Stockport I might, I might game, come Derek. and watch a Stockport game but I might also <laughs> go and watch Notts County because um, I, I yeah. do very much enjoy their style of play um, okay well that feels like that really um, thanks for, for, for being with us for the last few weeks uh, last few months rather um, listeners we will be taking a break now until um, until the end of December uh, where we will be back to, to preview the City game uh, we may put some other things in 
if if anybody comes up with a good idea of things that they want to talk about. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm anticipating that we will we will take a good a good long break and be back with a preview of the city game. So until then, all that remains for me to do is to say thank you very much, Taldo. Thank you, Darren, and thank you, Martin. Cheers, Darren. To you, dear listener. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.